Welcome to 50 Shades of Shilamita, the podcast where nothing is off limits. As a multidimensional sovereign mom, partner, CEO, serial entrepreneur, speaker, and best-selling author, I am on a mission to help more women and men become fully embodied in their sovereignty and power so they can live their truth, speak it unapologetically, and live a life free from the matrix. Each week, I will bring you episodes that will awaken you, inspire you to think outside of the box, and step into the leader that you know that you are. The world needs more people who are walking their talk and unafraid to stand in their truth, and I'm here as your guide to help you do just that. Welcome to another episode of 50 Shades of Shilamita. I am super excited for my guests this season. We have the most amazing lineup of people coming in to teach us everything about wealth, wellness, manifesting, love, abundance, and all the things. I'm your hostess, Shilamita. Thank you for joining me week after week on your favorite podcast station and on YouTube. Very exciting to be expanding my horizons. Today, I'd like to introduce a really fun and amazing guest. I'll tell you the story of how we know each other, but his name is David Mainetti. He is a triple board certified acupuncturist, a Chinese herbalist, and oriental medicine practitioner with over 25 years experience in integrative health and well-being. David is a scholar of the Taoist thought and expert provider of a wide variety of classical arts, including acupuncture, acupressure, herbal medicine, aromatherapy, Eastern nutrition, reflexology, massage, bodywork, qigong, yoga, meditation, feng shui, yi ching, palmistry, and astrology. David attained his master's degree in Honolulu, Hawaii, where I'd like to be right now. He also studied Qigong and Taoist principles with Master TK Shi in New York and Taoist cultivation practices with Healing Tao USA senior instructor Ron Diana in New Jersey. David's teaching style is fashioned from the history of these rich lineages and their ability to provide you with an innovative roadmap towards success, well-being, happiness, and peak performance. David is currently writing his PhD dissertation on information studies and digital Chinese medicine at the Palmer I School of Library and Information Science at Long Island University. What an introduction. Welcome to the show, Mr. David Mainetti. How are you today? I'm great. How are you today? I'm excellent. I'm super excited to have you here on my show, starting off the new year, new season with you, just in time for the Chinese Lunar New Year. Totally. We have a lot in store. It's um, it's a big period coming up for everybody on the planet, and it's always good to know a little extra about yourself and what's in store. Yeah. So just for the audience, so they know a little background on how we know each other. It was probably 12 years ago, maybe 11 years ago that I was in acupuncture school and I had a nutrition class on my schedule for the day. And I show up to class with my Dunkin' Donuts, egg white and cheese on an English muffin. Do you remember this? And my coffee light and sweet. And here comes David, and he is decorating his desk 
with all of these green vegetables, like vegetables I've never seen before in my life. And I'm like, what is this guy doing? And I was, still am, a little bit of a ball buster. And the whole time I was heckling him. And he says to me, what are you eating? And can I tell you that that was the last day I ever ate an egg white and cheese (laughs) on an English muffin. I think it was the last time I ever ate at Dunkin' Donuts. You opened my eyes wide open. I had no idea how nutrition worked in the body, how important it was to eat fruits and vegetables and the chi, the energy that comes off of food. So I'd love to start there if you want to help me out and help the audience to understand a little bit about nutrition and what they should know, what they should look for and what they should do. Sure. I think nutrition is, you know, a real lifelong journey that, that starts for some folks, you know, very young for others later in life. Sometimes it's tied into, you know, maybe a crisis or an illness or an injury or something to that extent. But, you know, that phrase that we are what we eat, I think, is, you know, very important to understand, you know, particularly, you know, after the pandemic and everything that's gone on, you know, access to healthy food is something that not everybody in the world has. And we're very fortunate, you know, in the tri-state area in the United States to have a plethora of options as it pertains, not just to being able to buy, you know, whole fruits and vegetables ourselves for, for cooking, but also to have so many options with respect to Uber Eats, DoorDash, you know, you can order healthy food pretty much anywhere in the country right now. And it really kind of comes down to educating yourself about what your body needs, you know, in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, making really good choices, not getting affected by your emotions, which often drive us to bad food choices and to come up with a plan that's, that's not just you know, good for you, but is also tasty, helps you achieve your goals, helps you achieve your objectives. If that's weight gain, weight loss, body transformation, peak performance, you know, and I think it's always, always important for folks to start with where they're at. You know, you can't just become a a vegan if you've been eating McDonald's every day for 20 years, you've got to you know, start where you're at and, and, you know, over time, make some gradual changes towards, you know, a better diet and better eating habits, to be honest. Yeah, there, there's a lot of nuggets that you just hit on. Right now, I'm living through an emotional cycle. Prior to the new year, I had lost a ton of weight, was in the best shape of my life. I stopped drinking alcohol. I stopped eating sugar. Um, no gluten, no grains, no dairy, all the things. And then it was honeymoon season. So it was honeymoon number one, Thanksgiving, then the holidays, then family vacation, then honeymoon number two. So it's just been like a whirlwind. And I've put on like 15 pounds since the wedding, which like nobody would really believe. You can't really see it per se because of the way that the weight has come back on. But I'm finding that I'm in some kind of emotional cycle right now, like, and I'm replaying the cycles of seven, right? Like, where was I seven years ago? What was I going through? And why is this happening to me right now? Because I'm the happiest I've ever been. My life is so fulfilled. I have everything going for me this year, which we'll talk about in a little while. But for some reason, I can't stop this vicious 
food cycle. And I'm not even eating because I'm hungry. I'm just eating. <laughs> and, you know, there's, there's this whole thing for me with seasonal depression. It's so cold here, but I wasn't even here half the time. So I can't even like really make this the excuse, but maybe you can touch upon that a little bit. Cause I'm sure a lot of my audience is an emotional eater or are going through cycles and they don't even understand what that is. Yeah, no, I think the holidays really bring up a lot for folks preparing for them, going through with them. And then you know, the, the kind of lull that takes place after they're done. And we've got this, you know, horrific winter ahead of us to deal with, with no holidays, no vacation days, other than if you can get away for a break when the kids are off and stuff like that. So I think you're not alone in terms of, of how you feel right now. I mean, that's really why they call it dry January. It's this idea that, you know, January is the time to make some of those changes and to really start your year off as best as possible. I think cutting out alcohol is great. I think it's boring though. So I think you have to be careful of, you know, what you're trying to get out of things. Um, and again, not really being too hard on yourself, right? Putting on 15 pounds, losing 15 pounds. I mean, these things can happen in a month's time if you're really disciplined or not disciplined. So it, it's less about, to me, the number on the scale and more about, you know, how you're feeling when you wake up every morning and, you know, what's driving your, your food and your beverage choices, right? Somebody once said to me, eat when you're hungry and drink when you're thirsty. Now that sounds so simple, but that's like step one. And when you really start to think about that concept of eat when you're hungry, we don't eat when we're hungry. We eat when we think we're supposed to eat. And right. that's sort of the beginning of the whole problem of diet in general is this idea that, you know, we're a, we're a scientific experiment, this human body, and we need fuel to allow this real precision machinery to work. And once you start to realize that your diet is really your fuel, you can start to to put your emotional components to diet, you know, away and you start to realize, okay, I'm gonna, you know, be working during these hours. I'm going to be exercising during these hours. I'm gonna be sleeping from this time to this time. What are the right times for me to eat? You know, the Chinese always say breakfast like a king, lunch like a queen, dinner like a prince. In America, always flip the other way. Mm -hmm. eat this huge dinner and then you're snacking you know at night and then you're going to bed with all of that food still in your stomach that doesn't get digested or transformed into fuel that just gets pushed into fat pockets and clogs you up for the next day so I think this idea of really setting up your plan of what you're trying to accomplish you know what do I want to eat for breakfast what do I want to eat for lunch what do I want to eat for dinner can I get all my food into my body, you know, three hours before I go to bed? Can I go to sleep, you know, without being stuffed with food? That then allows that whole sleep period for the body to really transform the nutrients from what you've ingested all day and then start fresh again the next day. I think it's crucial. And to also forgive yourself when you don't meet your goals and you have to eat something that maybe wasn't part of your plan 
Mm -hmm. so that's okay too. We're still, you know, living in this in this nature filled world of options and you know, things happen sometimes and you have to be okay with that too. I think that's like the biggest thing that I'm working through right now is the judgment of self because the discipline I have, it's like when I put my mind to it, the discipline is there. I went through wedding season sober, like bachelorette party, completely sober. The DJ called me two days after my bachelorette party. He's like, I'm just checking in to see how you're recovering because I was dancing on tables and going nuts. And I'm like, I was totally sober. <laughs> he was like, what? He's like, you were dancing like that, totally sober. And so it's like, you know, you said it's no fun. And like, you can still find the fun, right? But it's definitely more fun with the drinking. So then it's like finding the balance, you know? And I think that's kind of the thing is that when I'm disciplined, I'm so disciplined, right? But when I'm not disciplined, I'm so not disciplined. And it's not one glass of wine. It's the bottle of wine. And it's not one cookie. It's five cookies like I had yesterday. And it's then there's like this self-loathing thing that comes in, right? It's like, I'm so hard on myself. I, I stand in the mirror and, and I'm, I'm so spiritually advanced. So I'm really looking at this and trying to break this down so that I can stop this vicious cycle. Cause it's completely unnecessary. Like I said, on the scale, again, 15 pounds. But if you look at me in person, I don't look it right. Like there was a time where I gained 15 pounds and you could see it. Right. But the way that, because I work out, I do take care of myself, but it's just this mind thing that's happening. And I feel like a lot of people are living through that right now, especially post COVID, everything that's happening right now. So many people are sick. So many people are dying. There's like a lot of emotional stuff happening. So any tips for people on how to stop that emotional cycle of the self-loathing and, and, you know, speaking to yourself poorly? Yeah, I mean, you have to love yourself first and foremost, and you have to be patient with yourself. And you have to remember that you're part of a greater society that is built on you making oftentimes the wrong choice. Right. If you look at what type of food is advertised on television, it's not the good stuff. Generally, it's the really bad stuff. And, you know, that's just this capitalistic society we live in. And you have to be able to look through some of that, you know, and take it for what it is and realize, you know, one of the things I do, and I think it's important is, you know, you can have days where you're really on days where you're really off days where you're kind of neutral. And I think that's really important. You know, if you're like a nine to five type of worker, you know, that Monday is a very important day to kind of set the tone for the week. If you're somebody who works, you know, let's say in hospitality on the weekends, you know, your day might not be Monday. Your day might be, you know, you want to start your, your Friday off correctly. So I think your, your life is very important to design your food plan around as opposed to adopting some type of dietary plan that then you force into your kind of schedule. And then I think what folks always forget to do is that you could really simplify what you eat when you need to, mm -hmm. you know, whether that be 
you know, a protein with a side of vegetables or a very simple, you know, whole grain dish with vegetables. They're cheap, they're easy to prepare. They can be ordered out. I mean, you can go to any restaurant, you can get a piece of very plain grilled chicken with vegetables on the side and you're, you're eating, you know, minimal ingredients, minimal processing, simple, easy to digest types of meals when, when you need to, as opposed to you get to the restaurant, you see this menu and you choose, you know, the cream sauce and, and you have the, the fish appetizer with the meat entree and the dessert after. You know, those are okay on certain days where you're celebrating or where you're going to enjoy that. But if you're in these self-loathing kind of patterns and you've got that menu right in front of you, making those simple choices is always, always easy to do. And it's just like a little switch you can train in your brain that says, all right, today is the day that I'm going to keep this really simple. And, you know, when you're chewing your food and you're eating that food, you know, it's good for you. Yeah. And when you're, when you're eating those foods that maybe you don't know are good for you, well, you have to enjoy the pleasure of that. And if you can't enjoy the pleasure of that, then you shouldn't be eating those foods to begin with. And now it becomes this whole psychological thing that America has with food. And trying to undo that slowly is really the key to, to a better diet. Because again, we're just influenced by consumerism. Yeah. As it pertains to food, packaging of food is so fake. I mean, you know, there's no you don't need packaging on carrots. They look like carrots. They, you know, cut like carrots. They taste like carrots. It's easy, but you're not going to see some commercial on TV for carrots. You're going to see a commercial on TV for Pepsi. Right. So I think keeping things simple, really minimizing the, the complexity of the ingredients, learning how to cook at home, you know, one meal a week, to two meals a week, to three meals a week, you know, building yourself up, um, having healthy snacks when you need them so that you're not, you know, making poor decisions because you're starved. I think developing like a nice weekly plan like that is important. And then rewarding yourself when you achieve your goals, you know, and having something that's not on your schedule or on your menu and, and having fun is important too. Right. So your class, that class where you decorated the table with the greens, that has stuck with me forever. I tell those stories a lot. So you're in my teachings often. And, you know, you made it very clear that day to me that that breakfast that I was eating, the egg white and cheese on an English muffin was not alive right? Like there was no chi energy in that. And, and I really didn't understand that. I was in acupuncture school, had no idea about how energy works. And so can you cover with us a little bit why fruits and vegetables are so important and what's happening in our society right now? I don't know if you saw the, um, the government release. I don't even know if it's real or not, but it's circulate, circulating around right now where Lucky Charms is healthier than a steak. This food pyramid that they've sent out is completely ridiculous. And we need to take it back to the fruits and vegetables. Can you share a little on that? Yeah, definitely. But I will tell you that in my dissertation research, you can design a study to prove anything you want. I can right. 
design a study that proves your lamp to the left of you is a talking human. And I could probably get someone to publish that if I wanted to. And so science, right? <laughs> science, quote unquote. Yeah. Right. So I think, and, and whatever we talk about energy, that's the main problem with chi and with prana, with mana, is that, you know, it, it, it doesn't meet the scientific model of being able to be seen or measured or tested. It's something that we feel. And, you know, all these ancient cultures all have in common the fact that there's this energy inside us, inside all living things that provides life for us. And as a result, it makes sense that if you're going to eat things, you should eat things that are alive, were recently alive, were living, you know, and grown and processed after they were harvested in ways that preserve their energy, aka not frozen, fresh. Um, you know, there's a lot of farmers markets around now. Those markets are going to have options that are much fresher than, let's say, a supermarket. There's going to be specialty markets that may have options that your traditional grocery store don't have. That being said, there's great options in all types of supermarkets for getting food that has energy in it. And when you look at it, I mean, you know, it's like assessing the health of a human being. You can look at what you're, what you're buying and you can tell, you know, from touching it, from smelling it, from feeling it, you know, what's the vibrancy, what's the energetic level of this cauliflower? You know, is it nice and white? And is the, the florets, you know, really beautiful or is it brown and, and limp and falling apart? You know, and you can start to use your your mind's eye to cultivate yourself in making those choices. You know, similar if you go to a three Michelin star restaurant, it doesn't matter what they're using. You are getting food art that has a high quality of energy in it. Maybe not healthy food energy, but still the creativity of a chef, of a human being preparing this food and choosing those ingredients and giving it to you, you know, on a beautiful plate with beautiful cutlery, that's good energy too. And that's why those places are always filled and you can't get a reservation there, you know? So energy is, is, means different things to different people. And I think it's important to always come from your perspective and say, hey, this is what I'm looking for. But if you're walking around sluggish, if you're tired all the time, if you hate your body, if you don't like how you feel, well, that's a great time to make a change and start to think about, wow, I'm going to look at, you know, food options that don't make me tired, that don't look sluggish. I'm going to make choices that look energetic and, and upbeat and uplifting. And then you're going to transfer all of that into your human being as you start to eat that stuff. Mm -hmm. I love it. 
So another huge imprint that you made in my life is the whole discussion of feng shui, which I'm sure that there's people that are watching or listening that have never heard of those terms before. Uh, but for those listeners who are new to my world, I spent the last 10 years as a licensed acupuncturist. That's how Dave and I met. He was one of my teachers. And during my practice as an acupuncturist, anytime somebody would come to me with fertility issues, I would always bring up your theory of the feng shui calendar and how you need to be in that trigram, right? And so I would always let the patient know that if there is a blockage or it's emotional, that we'll be able to get you pregnant pretty quickly. In my practice, I also found that there was always a, a food issue there, right? Like my patients who ended up going gluten-free, dairy-free, they always had a better chance of getting pregnant than those that didn't. But you always hear those cases of people who try IVF, they try getting pregnant seven, eight years, and it doesn't work for them at all. And then 11 years later, they end up getting pregnant, right? So I would always give them this disclaimer on feng shui and how it related to birth and all the things. So I would love if you could tell the audience what feng shui is, how you got into it, and anything else that they may need to know. Definitely. I think, um, let's see, how, how can we begin this? I think it's important to remember that in the grand scheme of things, you and I are little specks of dust on a giant rock spinning through space around some flaming rock that is hot with other rocks rotating around it at different sizes and different speeds in a galaxy of which there are others. Apparently telescopes have shown us and our galaxy is a little speck of dust compared to some of these other galaxies. When you think about the enormity of all of that, it does make sense that humans should think about time and space when they're planning things, right? And, you know, the, the easiest way to kind of talk about this is, you know, we know that the moon governs the tides of the ocean, right? And you as a human are two thirds water inside you. So just that one relationship with the moon is clearly going to affect your body each and every month as we move from new to full to new to full, you know, it completely ties in with, with menstrual cycles and with fertility. The ancient Chinese fertility model was always counting the lunar dates in accordance with your cycle to try to figure out the best times for conception and so on and so forth. But this idea that we're subject to our surroundings, to nature, to the environments we build, you know, with human creativity, these beautiful skyscrapers, these beautiful cities. I mean, some people say that's not natural, but it's built by a human being with creativity in mind. So it's actually very natural. This idea that you can understand what's happening in this larger sphere and can help you make decisions about career, relationships, diet, health, wellness, so on and so forth, isn't really so strange. The strange part is that it's been removed from Western society to the point where it's almost impossible to figure out what this stuff really means. 
And you asked me how I got into it. Well, you know, just like everybody else, I was curious about energy and what else was out there, not just what I was taught in, you know, the New Jersey public school system, but what other things were out there. And when I learned about Taoist philosophy, I mean, when you acupuncture a patient, you're doing feng shui on their body, whether you like it or not. You're putting points on the left, you're needling points on the right. You're doing three on the arm, one on the leg. You're doing one on each leg, one on each arm. You're choosing meridians that are based on elements, which are tied into seasons. What you needle on somebody in the winter is going to be very different than what you needle on somebody in the summer. Just like when you're packing your car for an outing in the winter, you're going to pack different things than if you are packing your car in the summer. It becomes very simple to understand. But then when you peel that layer off and you realize how detailed the system really is, it can become very overwhelming. And I think that's a big part of the problem with the words feng shui. It's just so big and so overwhelming and so foreign that it it becomes difficult for people to understand that, you know, the direction your bed faces makes a difference each year. The direction your desk at work faces makes a big difference because you're not sitting or laying on anything that's stable. You're on a moving object that's traveling very fast. So it's interesting to think of it from that perspective, I always think first. And when we talk about Lunar New Year, right, it's driven by that moon. It's driven by that sun, those main cycles in our life. And if you study Western astrology, you know, the planets in our solar system. So it is built on the movement of these giant rocks in space. And the gravity that science kind of refers to in reference to this whole field that's created, that's what it really is doing, is that gravitational movement of these heavenly bodies affect our chi. And they affect it in different ways at different points of the year and different periods and seasons. And you can get acupuncture, by the seasons. You can create a diet in accordance with the season. You can eat stews and soups now. And then when you get to the spring, you can eat sprouts and more lighter salads. And when you get to the summer, you can eat more raw fruits, right? Just the same way as you can look at your built space and you could say, wow, I've got the year of the rabbit coming up next week. Let me look at what rabbits look like in nature. Wow. They're real playful. They're, they're not really vicious at all. They don't have teeth. They jump around, they're social, they hang out with other rabbits. And you start to realize that the ancient people didn't just call it the year of the rabbit because they just needed a placeholder. They chose something in nature that was very reflective of what that energy represented. Well, I'm super excited for the year of the rabbit because I'm a goat or sheep, right? And 12 years ago was a really amazing year for me. It's the year that I met Ben Lover. But with the highs also came major lows and what's the word for it? Drama or trauma. (laughs) So we need to remember that, right? With all the good always comes bad and it's learning to balance the duality of it all. And that's where the emotional intelligence comes in. So that's what I've been building all these years. And you used to do this uh, Taoist report. Do you still do that? I do. I'm almost yeah. done with this. I'll send it to you so that you can share with your uh, 
constituents. Okay, awesome. So David used to, or still does, this report, and and in the report, it, it explains to you what your year is all about. So every year in January, I send him a text message, which is how we got this podcast interview. I'm super excited for. And I'm always like, what's the deal with the year, right? I remember last year I sent you a text message because January was just a really tough start for me. And he's like, well, it's the month of the ox in the year of the ox. It is your worst month in your worst year. And he said that the text to me, and I looked at that and I was like, well, this really wasn't that bad of a year. So if this is my worst month in my worst year, I'm ready. And then you said to me, 2022 is a transition year for you. Hold off on doing anything big because your big moves are going to be in 2023. So I always hold on to the things you say because they're always spot on for me. And last year ended up being a complete masterpiece for me. We ended up getting married. I had one of the best years of my life. I joined this affiliate marketing company. I I climbed my way all the way to the top. So I can only imagine what's in store now for 2023. And I got to tell you that I've not slept more than, you know, three, four hours in days because I have been cleaning and purging and moving furniture around and doing all the things. And I'm not doing anything by like a compass or, you know, what I've been told to do. For me, it's all happening very intuitively. And you had mentioned that the colors of the year are azul blue, apple green, um piece of pink what was the other one fury red fury red so what's interesting is that last year i painted my room this blue color last week i put a fireplace an electric fake one but it has this fiery red flames that are set off i i found my vision board from 2011 or 2010, and it had the same colors. So is the year of the rabbit always the same colors? No. No, it's every year the colors change. Everything, in the when you are really at a high level of feng shui, everything always changes because it's never the same, okay. right? And that's the, that's the beauty of it. I mean, it makes sense. Every 12 years can't be the same. Every 60 okay. years can't be the same. There's always larger spheres of existence, but we're we're entering into an interesting time overall in the calendar of feng shui. And I think, you know, people like you who follow their innate sort of feelings, you're going to start to feel, or you already have started to feel that some really big things are coming. If you look at society in general, you can start to see that we're nearing the end of kind of what I would call like the television phase, the media phase of our existence. You know, if you think about the 50s, 1950s, you know, how, how big of a change the introduction of television was, you know, we're working on giant 180 year cycles in feng shui. And 2023 is the end of the eighth period, which means 2024 is the start of the last period in this 180 year cycle. So we are coming to the end of a, of a very big era. And this 2023 year is actually the transition from that eighth period to that ninth period. 
that's going to take us from 2024 to 2044. Wow. And when you think about where the world is going to look, you know, in 2050, you could start to see like with AI, with technology, with robotics, the world is not going to be like the world we grew up in or we're used to. We're entering a whole new phase of existence. And I also believe that nature is going to have some type of response to the ending of this cycle too, as you can kind of start to see. I mean, I think this might be the first year Philadelphia doesn't have a snowflake fall yeah. in their city. I think you're starting to realize that there are some big changes that are going to be taking place. And from my perspective, I think it's awesome to be on the planet right now because I think it's a really great time for transformation. I think folks are realizing that this energy is real and that our connection with nature is real. The, the rabbit coming up next year, rabbits are real peaceful. So I think that, you know, we're gonna to start to maybe see an end to some of the strife that's been taking place in our world over the past year. But then I think when 2024 kicks in, we're gonna have a real, real big sort of explosive launch to that final period. So oh, I think why? I think this is a year to really foster your relationship. <laughs> well, it's the year of the dragon, and dragons are big and powerful and strong and breathe fire and all that stuff. So I mean, you know, the rabbit is like this is the year where we're all going to meditate, we're all going to get back to basics, we're all going to, you know, cultivate our relationships, keep our emotions nice and calm. We're going to have a nice year, and then we're going to launch something really big in 2024. And, you know, I think, I think really alternative and complementary medicine is, is ready to launch in this new digital age. And I think, you know, with the prevalence of obesity, diabetes, I mean, these really cancer, these really debilitating illnesses, we need a new system. We need a preventative system of medicine in this world that, you know, the kids can begin at a very early period in their life. You know, and it, it comes right back to the food and to the health and to the well-being and everything else. Yeah, it's tough, though, because we live in the world of pharma. So you hear stories of, you know, babies who are being put on anti-anxiety meds and the stuff that they're doing to our children right now is pretty horrible. And it's, it makes me happy to hear that the end of media is coming because media has been our biggest problem, especially since 2020, right? Over the last couple of years and everything that's going on, it's such a mind fuck. If you're watching the news, it's like you don't know where the information is coming from. And it comes right back to that intuitive nature, right? Like for me, I've spent the last two and a half years, however long this whole fiasco that we've been living in, really connecting to that intuition and really listening to the inside. And, and so if you get anything out of today's podcast, it would be to really tune inward, right? And to start feeding yourself healthier, connecting to the energy of the world. And like, you know, my fireplace, Ben Lover has been saying no to my fireplace for years. I've wanted a fireplace in the bedroom for years. And then I was like, I don't need his permission. <laughs> I could just buy the fireplace. And so I did. And I hired the guy from Amazon to come set it up. 
And I'm so happy. It's making me so happy having this like little thing here that gives off my fake fire. And it's just go for it, right? Like go for what the intuition is telling you to do and stop being so hard on yourself. That's really my major lesson so far of the year. Yeah, love yourself, you know? And, and you know, you're your best kept secret too. I mean, you know, it's interesting because I don't know if you remember this, but a long time ago when we first met, I did some very basic feng shui course courses over there at the Eastern School. Feng shui doesn't even have to be Chinese. Feng shui can just be what you think. And it can be based on artifacts that have been passed down in your family or things that you gravitate towards. It doesn't have to be this red envelope in the South Southeast under, you know, six coins tied together with a red string. It can be something that you find at Bloomingdale's that you love, that you're connected to, or that your grandmother passed down to you, or something your kids made in kindergarten that has their energy in it. You know, to really demystify this thing and to get back to what you said, which is, you know, what what's what am I feeling about my space? Right? Do I feel like I hate my living room? Well, if you hate your living room, you should move everything around until you like it. And declutter and throw out. And my mom made a great New Year's resolution this year. She's going to throw something out every day. So that mm. was really cool. My but, goal right now is to get rid of a thousand items in my house. And, you know, a week ago, I would have never said that. I would have been like a thousand items. That's insane. But I did a closet clean out the other day and I actually counted the hangers because there were so many of the clothes that I got rid of. And I had gotten rid of 58 pieces of clothing just on hangers. That wasn't the stuff that was folded. And I've been doing this in every single room of my house. So at this point, I'm probably up to like 400, 500 things that we've purged so far. And last night I was doing my bathroom and I'm like, oh, that cabinet, there's not going to be anything in there. But then I sat down on the floor and decided to reorganize the cabinet. And I probably got rid of 15 things in that cabinet. So it's really incredible how much stuff is just sitting in our homes. And when the stuff is sitting, it's collecting dust and it's not allowing for the energy to move through it, right? It's like, we've been talking about energetics this whole time. It's really important to understand that we are made up of energy, right? And energy cannot be destroyed. Energy just recycles itself. We need to eat things that are energetic, right? Like me never eating an egg white and cheese on an English muffin again, because there was no energy in that. It was microwaved eggs with fake processed cheese and wheat gluten, right? And then it's a matter of allowing for the energy to flow in your home. So if you live in a lot of chaos and clutter, which by the way, when I was on food stamps and my life was miserable and I was 250 pounds, that was me. I was a cluttered chaos mess. I lived in a small two bedroom apartment. You couldn't move because there was stuff everywhere. And so that's the way that a lot of people live. We feel like acquiring things somehow makes us feel better, but the acquirement of things is actually preventing you from getting to the next level because the energy is not moving through to open you up to that, right? 
Well, think about it, right? You're, we're made up of molecules, right? If you break yourself down to the molecular level, you're mostly empty space, hmm. right? There's protons, neutrons, and electrons at that atomic level that you are created from, and you are existing at that state. If you microscope down all the way to your, your real building blocks of life, you're almost all empty space. Hmm. So why would you want to clutter your living space if you're natural existence is free and, and open and, you know, empty as well. And I think that's always a really fascinating way to look at this is that I'm going to go down to this molecular level of myself and compare it to my living space and see how I'm the same or how I'm different and see what kind of changes I need to make. Because most people from a feng shui perspective just need to get rid of the stuff that doesn't serve them anymore. Right. And it's so easy and it's fun, but there's this connection people have with material things that oftentimes is associated with negativity. And I think it's important to recognize that and to say, hey, I don't need these things. Hey, I need this fireplace. This fireplace is going to bring me great joy, huh? right? I need to have that. I don't need all these clothes. Somebody else may look at my clothes and say, wow, I really need these clothes. And oh. not only are you clearing out your space, you may actually be fulfilling somebody else's space, which then creates that karmic energy to come back to you tenfold. Right. Now, all of a sudden, you're, you're multiplying your luck and your energy in all different ways. Well, here's something else that I started doing a few years ago, and I highly recommend it to people because we are living in a society of credit cards and, you know, plastic. And so I make sure to have cash and to take out cash every so often, and I hide it in different places. <laughs> and so every time I find money, I get super excited and I say, thank you universe for the abundance of money that you're sending my way. And so <laughs> this weekend in my closet has been like treasure. <laughs> and my assistant this morning was like, you were so fun this weekend. Cause every time you're like, I found money. And so I do this in my car. Like I, I do this, I, I stuff money in my coat pocket. So a couple of days ago, we cleaned out the coat closet and we went through all the coat pockets and I think I found like $400. Awesome. And it was like the joy. I mean, you can see it on my face right now. Like just thinking of the whole experience of receiving money, right? And so if you're uh, trying to attract money, it's important to like go to the bank and take out some cash money, touch it, feel it, like have it in your presence because using a credit card just isn't the same. It doesn't give you that same feeling of abundance. You know, when you're outside and you find 20 bucks on the ground, it's like, joy, you know, the joy meter goes up. So I literally set myself up to have these magical moments. And I feel like it attracts a lot of abundance into my life. And I love what you said about, you know, when you give, you know, a lot of things were like, should we throw this away? And I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to throw it away because somebody else may take this, like somebody's garbage is somebody else's treasure literally right so it's like i feel like if i hand it off and you don't want it you could throw it away but you might be able to do something with it and so try not to trash things but make sure to get rid of them right away right like don't stash a pile of stuff that you want to get rid of and then let it sit there for the next three weeks my goal is to try to do this clean out before the lunar year sets in 3 53 p.m on saturday you got a few days left 
Awesome. And and what's interesting, just as a comment to what you just said, money is always going to be the symbol of wealth because it passes through so many hands, mm-hmm. right? Your credit card is yours. It, and now without even having to, to give it to a, a cashier or anything anymore, you're really the only person touching that card. Whereas True. money, you know, there's there's a cool website where they track bills across the country and across the world. Money has chi because it touches so many people. Right. And it's fascinating when you think about it. a cashless society really misses that exchange of, of wealth energy. Right. When that money passes hands back and forth, goods are provided, services are provided. That's an important thing that we that I think is important to keep going and, and to instill in the kids. You know, I yeah. always tell my children, always have cash on hand, always stash money you yeah. know, in your house. Just to add this, the wealth cycle center of the house in 2023 is the South. Okay. So if you want to hide money in your house this year, put it in the South mm. section of your home. Okay. And it'll give back more than, than it's valued at throughout the year. I like that. Okay. I just mapped out the house too. So I'm going to put in some of these practices. So the lunar year, year starts on January 21st, yes. right? That's this Saturday. So this is going to air next week. So I read somewhere that the Lunar New Year goes up to 30 days. Is that how it goes? Or Yeah, the first, the whole first month, the lunar phase from new to full back to new is considered like the, the beginning of the year. So the first month is always, you know, in China, a lot of folks are migrant workers. They'll come home once a year and the time they come home is for the lunar new year. You know, whereas in our country, it's more centered around Christmas, Hanukkah right. type of events. In, in Asia, it's always around the lunar new year. So folks come from great distances. They stay in their house for a few weeks. So it's that whole beginning part of the year. And it's based on where you are on the planet and when the new moon happens. So in New York, we're at 3.53 p.m. on January 21st. But in Asia, it's January 22nd you know, when they're celebrating the new year. So it's always based on the moon and the phase and you don't want to get your hair cut on the Chinese new year. They say, when you cut your hair, you cut your fortune. So make sure you get all your salon work done prior to Saturday. Okay. And then what else? I I read that you're supposed to open your front door. Always open your front door to let the energy of the new year in. And then we can get into details about specific signs Some signs are going to have good luck this year. Some signs are going to have to be mindful of of dangers and be more protective in nature. Depending on the direction of your front door of your house or of your office kind of invokes the energy for that space for the year as well. And when I send to you the... um, the annual forecast with all the details in it, you can take a look at it and it has all the different components and all the recommendations. And, you know, maybe we'll get on the phone and we can chat a little bit about your specific house or your specific office. That would be amazing. But if you think about it from a, even just from the colors that we talked about and you relate it to Chinese medicine, it's a real water, wood, fire, type of period right now, right? You got that blue, you got that apple green, you got the pink and you got the fury red. 
right? It's that whole left side of the five element chart that is housing all this energy. And the rabbit sits right in the middle of that in the east. So as a result, there's all this energy sitting in the east. That means that in the west, there's all of this conflict because there's so much energy on one side and nothing on the other side. So this year is a big east-west problem. So a lot of these kind of political things that started in 2022 with China, with Taiwan, with Russia, their kind of misunderstanding about Western culture and Western culture's misunderstanding of Eastern culture, that's still going to continue, but it's going to continue in a more peaceful type of fashion. From a feng shui perspective, what that means is that the north and the south of the house is the real good luck places to to foster, you know, if you're looking to make a career move, if you're looking to make some type of new investments, or let's say you're looking into potentially getting more serious with somebody or, you know, making some type of contractual arrangement with another party, you can start to look at this north-south alignment and use that to your benefit. Meaning, and for some folks, this sounds crazy, but you may want to, let's say you sign a really big contract, right? Million of, millions of dollars, you know, promotional contract, let's say. The day you sign that is important. Where you are when you sign that is important. And there's a lot of folks who do a lot of business dealings that have particular places, particular pens, particular places where they put that contract after it's signed. You, know, you have to think about you know, what vibes in you, what's important to you, and start to make these, these bigger decisions when you're making you know, key changes in your life, as opposed to getting caught up in more negative energies. What's the best way to get caught up in more positive energies? And then Again, going back to like what you said, using your intuition, not some book, right. but to say, wow, today just doesn't seem like the right day for me to do this. Feel, you know, honor your gut feeling and, you know, maybe wait a few days, things change. And that's the glory of feng shui is that everything's always changing around us. We should always be changing too. Yeah, totally. I love this. This is amazing. I can sit and talk to you for hours about this, and I'm excited to continue this conversation. But if people want to look for you, work with you, where can they find you? So right now I'm at this very cool new immersive fitness experience location in Roslyn, New York called Powerbox 360. It's a real cutting edge new way of getting healthy and being fit and connecting with the community and understanding, you know, the energy that exists in all of us. Um, that's www.powerbox360.com. Um, really cool little oasis we have here on the Gold Coast of Long Island. And um, you can get in touch with me through that. And like I said, I'll give you the, the 2023 forecast when it's done this week and you can distribute it to your, your patrons and share the wealth and hopefully awesome. bring everybody good luck in 2023, including you and your family. I'm super, super excited. So for those of you that are new to the show, thank you so much for listening or watching us today. You can find me all over social media by my first name, Shilamita. My website is www.shilamida.com. I hang out on Facebook. I'm on Instagram at 50 Shades of Shilamita. The show is now on YouTube, so you can also 
watch us instead of just listening to us for those who are more visual like I am. I'm a visual learner, not a listener per se. <laughs> I'm really excited to see what's in store for us this year. For anybody that wants Mr. Mainetti's uh, forecast for the year, reach out to me on social or through the website and we'll be sure to get that to you. Thank you so much, David, for spending this hour with me today. It was great to see you. I'm excited for more. <laughs> You're the best. We'll Thank we can you. always catch up in the future. Just let me know. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm definitely going to come stop by and check out your new place, too. Sounds great. Yay. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Do you try hard or do you not try at all? That is the question that we are going to unpack on today's episode of 50 Shades of Shilamita. Welcome to the show today. I'm super excited to be recording this for you today. And this is probably the earliest I've ever recorded anything. It is 8 a.m. and it's actually vacation day. We are heading to the Bahamas, but our flight is delayed. And so I had a little bit of time and I figured, let me start recording because this question is what I've been pondering and contemplating the last week or so, because in sheer vulnerability, I will share with you that on a mentorship call that I was on the other day, I had, you know, said something like, I just sometimes want to give up, right? I came back from this amazing trip in Miami where I was with some of the most amazing people and I see how successful they are. And I, I don't compare myself to anybody, but sometimes I just get frustrated, right? So in regards to the podcast and the YouTube channel, like I was told that if I was consistent for you know a certain amount of time with a certain amount of shows, that I would get an influx of followers and people watching. And the truth is that the podcast and the YouTube show ratings aren't the best. And I am so grateful for every single person that watches and listens, and that's why I keep doing it, because it's a lot of fun. And I feel like this information is important out there in the world in my mission to try to help everybody live out the life of their desires, right? And so I came onto a mentorship call and I'm like, I don't get it. Like I try to do what I've been told to do, right? Everybody has always told me, oh my God, you would be such a great podcast hostess. So I went and I started a podcast and truth be told, I never listened to a podcast before my life. Well, maybe that's not true. I did listen to a friend of mine podcast, maybe like two or three episodes, but Prior to that or after that, there have been no podcasts for me. And truth be told, I've never watched YouTube videos. So it's like for me to be told to go do those things because that's what made sense in my business, right? And so in producing a podcast and a YouTube show, there's money that's involved, right? There's people who edit the show, there's graphics that go with the show, there's reels that go with the show. So it's just like this whole production that needs to occur during the week and I'm putting out two shows and so I show up to this mentorship call and I'm like, why? When I go on Facebook and I just go live on Facebook, I will have hundreds of people, if not thousands of people, who watch me there. So 
why am I doing this? And so I started to unpack this question, like what is it that I try for in my life, right? Because at this point, I live a very abundant life, right? So for those of you who might be catching me new for the very first time, thanks for watching. My name is Shilamita. For those of you that have been with me a really long time, um, you've watched my transformation. I consider myself to be a transformation and lifestyle mentor because I have transformed my life, my body, my businesses, you know, my family um, from food stamps to first class is one of my books because that's the story of my life. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that we are all capable of like the sky isn't even the limit is what my mentor says. And the truth is, is that you just have to believe, right? And like people are like, oh, well, that doesn't make any sense. But if you are a Christian and you believe in Jesus, you have this or, or you're not Christian and you believe in Jesus, right? Because I know that there's Christ consciousness that people have a connection with Jesus without the religious route, but people that have this unwavering faith in Jesus, Jesus performed these miracles, right? And so in my life, I feel like I've performed miracles and I've seen miracles and I know so many other people that do the same kind of work, right? So I was an acupuncturist for 10 years and so I helped babies come into the world. I saved people from going into surgery. I took people off of lifelong medicine, right? So I believe that we are all connected to God and we are all miracle creators and we are miracles we are literally walking miracles like we came here as a creation and another human carried us and created us and grew us from inside out it's like still mind-blowing like I carried three children inside of me and it's still mind-blowing that we're capable of doing these things, you know? And we really just take so many things for granted. And we just think because we walk and we talk and we, you know, run and we play and we work and we do the things that these are the things that we're supposed to do. But the truth is, is that not everybody gets to walk and talk and, and live out amazing lives, right? And so... What separates us? What differentiates us? Is it because some are fated this way or is it because some are lucky and some aren't? Or is it because, you know, some grew up rich and some didn't? Or is it because some try really hard and some don't? There's so many reasons as to why people are successful and people are not. People are suffering, people are not. But the main difference that separates everybody is personal development. Because anybody that dives into personal development, their life just gets better and better. They become more beautiful. They literally shift from inside out. And it's the most wonderful thing to ever watch. I mean, like watching someone's transformation, I've done a lot of women's retreats and like one day um, women events and the transformation. For those of you that are listening, I have a smile that I'm like beaming from 
from cheek to cheek because sometimes I'll go in and I'll look at photos and it's just so amazing to watch people's transformations and, and my transformation, right? Like there was a point where I was 250 pounds and I'm struggling right now with like weight and weight gain and just allowing myself to like enjoy being where I am without the stressors of I need to be on a diet and need to be thinner. I need to, right? Like where do these needs come from? It's all programming and conditioning. And even when you think that you unpack things and you heal things, there's like another layer, right? Like every time you want to up level, there's going to be another layer that you get tested at. And then like shit's going to hit the fan, right? So this week, my nine-year-old, my middle guy, my bruiser, he ended up falling down the basement stairs. Um, there was like a little area rug that slipped and he fell and he sliced his chin open. And it was the most traumatic experience of all time to all the mommies out there and the daddies out there. It's just first aid is not my thing. Long-term mental trauma, personal development, like we're like unpacking the mind. But when it comes to like blood and needles and sewing, and it's funny because I was an acupuncturist for 10 years, right? But that was more mental, emotional than it was like, ah. <laughs> first aid. <laughs> I digress. Anyway, you know, that ha so what happens when you start going through an up level is your body goes through ascension symptoms. So for a lot of people, they're going to get sick, right? So when we got back from Miami, a lot of the other women that were there were had sick symptoms. And so that happens a lot after you go on retreat or you do a lot of spiritual work because it's your body recalibrating to like now you've unlocked a level, right? So in order to like get into that level, you have to take on a lot of things. And, you know, when people get sick, it's like some people, they go into the sickness and they go into victim mode because it's the only way that they know how to receive love is through the victim mode. And so I know this very well. I was a emergency room frequent flyer and everything that happened, I would instantly like go the victim route. And so now I live a very different life where we don't even go to doctors here because I feel that I am so equipped in how to treat my family and how to heal and how to use the things that we've been given by God, earth, mother nature, right? Instead of running to pharmaceuticals, which people think are safe because they're on a shelf, but every single thing you buy off a shelf comes with a side effect. And we've just been conditioned into thinking that it's okay because if it's sold at a drugstore, that it's okay. But I don't know if you guys know that the name of that store is a drugstore. So if you go to get drugs, right? But they're in a store, they're okay. But if you try to get drugs from like the dude at the nightclub, that's not okay. So I invite you to ponder that thought for a minute because that was a lot of unpacking for me many years ago. And so back to do you try hard or you do you not try at all, right? So 
there's people like me who are like, let me try this, let me try that, let me hustle, let me do this, let me do that. So I've let go of the hustle and now I'm just like, my goal is to get in front of as many people as I possibly can because I just feel like the wisdom that I share, like for the person that connects with me, like it's life changing. Like everybody that has come in contact with me, that lives in my house, that works for me, that is in close proximity of me i see the the ripple of change and it's just so amazing because most people are walking this planet suffering and we didn't come here to suffer like we don't have to do that so if there was a way to eradicate suffering for all of mankind wouldn't you be inclined to doing that but for some people they don't believe and so they don't want to end the suffering because misery loves company. So they would prefer to have everybody around them suffering. But for me, it's the opposite. I'm so happy that I prefer to have everybody around me happy, right? Because like, it's annoying when you have like this happy person around and like your life is not happy. And the thing is, is that it's not that my life isn't hard, right? Like, I had an emergency this week. I have, you know, other things going on with people that are in my life and things that I can't divulge here with you today. But just know that behind the scenes of the yacht experiences and the travel and the life looks so amazing, there's still a life that is being lived right? And the best meme that I saw last week went something like, when you go into a gym, the weights don't get lighter, you get stronger. And it was like the most powerful thing that I had seen because we think that life gets easier as we acquire things, right? Like if we have money, life gets easier. If we have things, right? Like we don't realize that we have to change the inside because if you don't change the inside and the money comes, you're still going to be suffering. And that just sucks, right? Like that was me for a very long time in, in my relationship with Ben Lovertz. Like I was conditioned to suffer. And even though on the outside, it looked as though things were okay. Like inside, I had a lot of things to unpack and to heal and to, you know, let go of and ancestral things that needed to be cut. And, you know, so there's the people that try so hard and then there's the people who don't try at all. And they wonder, well, why doesn't this happen? Why don't I manifest? Right? Well, so like I am a master manifester, but some things come so easy. Like, you know, I manifested a luxury vehicle within like a few months that didn't make sense in my life right now, but it's because I detached, right? Like it was not something that I needed. It was just something that I desired and I kind of put it out there in the universe and I didn't have to try, right? I didn't have to try for that. So there's so many examples in my life of things that I've manifested that I really haven't had to try for. But then in the online arena, it's like I am coded for this success, for this fame. For those of you that are familiar with human design, I am like, I'm an emotional projector 
Um, so it's like my innate nature to be seen. I have a defined ego center, which just like is like, hello, see me, love me, tell me, right? And so like I used to have like these visions of me being on stage and people clapping for me and like me selling my books and my merchandise and going home at the end of the day. And then I got sucked into this coaching world where it was like, well, you have to create these programs and and these things and you need to like sell yourself online and it's like, I just want to get on stage, like say what I have to say, have people clap for me, buy my book and remember and just go process, right? In the coaching world, like you actually have to have interaction. And part of the reason why I stopped being an acupuncturist is because I wanted to stop the one-to-one interaction because I only have so much energy to give as a projector. So when I give the message, I want the message to go far and wide, right? And so discovering human design and discovering these things about me and knowing that this is how I operate best, it's hard because the paradigm, the industry, the business coaches, they're telling you to do things a certain way. And really, you're supposed to be doing things like the total opposite or you know, maybe you are a trailblazer in the business and you're supposed to be doing something totally different. But we get sucked into this knowing that we're supposed to be doing things the way that other people are doing it because they've paved the way. And the truth is that they've paved the way with showing us the evidence of what's possible, right? Like if you're watching me and your life is nowhere near where mine is, but like you love it, you know, I invite you to keep loving it. Don't look at it in a place of envy and jealousy, but look at it in a place of gratitude. Like if I'm doing it, that means that you are capable of doing it. Like I wholeheartedly believe that no matter who you are, no matter what color your skin is, no matter how much money you make in this moment in time, no matter what your disability is, it's my belief That if you believe inside that you desire to live a life of leisure or, you know, a life of um, minimalism or any kind of life that you desire, right? For some people, it's the yachts and the jets and the luxury clothing. And for other people, it's the mountains, it's the fair trade, it's the organic, right? It's a, it's a very different spectrum of luxury. Like on one of my mastermind calls that I was on the other day, one of my mastermind sisters asked the question, what does luxury mean to all of you? And, you know, everybody in the room is a six, seven figure earner, eight. (laughs) And it's like, luxury is different to everybody. Luxury isn't designer handbags all the time or luxury cars, right? And there's a lot of spiritual work that I had to go through to even be able to live a luxury life and own it. It was very hard for me for a very long time. And sometimes I still circle back and cycle back into those things. So I invite you to think the question, are you trying too hard or are you trying not enough? And can you balance yourself out to do the opposite 
of what you're doing. So part of my commitment is I am just going to start recording these shows without the big production. Um, I may or may not continue doing two shows a week. I may go down to one show a week. Um, and I'm just going to do things a little different. I'm going to make my way back to Facebook and Facebook Live because that was where I was able to reach the most amount of people. So if you're watching this for the very first time, you can find me on Facebook at Shilamita Cooperstein right now. My first name is S-H-I-L-A-M-I-D-A. My website is www. Ugh, too many W's, .shilamita.com. You can go check out some of my past work. You can go into the Shill Shop. All of my books are in the Shill Shop. I have an amazing um, book called 31 Days of Gratitude, Create the Life You Desire. It's actually a journal. It's not just a book. It's interactive and it's super helpful. It's helped thousands of people. Um, there is a second edition of that that is coming out soon and it is life-changing. So I highly suggest you go get the book. If you want to read about my story um, from food stamps to first class is the story of my life with affirmations on every chapter. It's, it's every chapter is a spiritual lesson just using stories of my life. Um, and I highly recommend that. It's a super easy read. If you like the way that I speak, I write like I speak. So you could just like read along. It's really good. Um, and then my third book is a kid's book called I Am Grateful For My Life. So you can grab all those on my website. Um, I'm excited for what's to come. I know that an up level is happening right now because of the chaos and craziness that's in my life, but I am going to do what I know how to do. And that is going to be diving deeper into gratitude Gratitude has gotten me to where I am now and gratitude is what's keeping me from the next level. And it's being grateful for what's in your life right now and then being grateful for the things that you desire as though you already have them. Like really feeling it inside. It's like those are the things that I manifested so easily because as much as I believed, I guess there was a part of me that like just thought I was dreaming, you know? So like literally like when I dreamt of my soulmate, like there was a part of me that didn't think it was possible for me, even though I believed what I was reading and the people that were talking to me the way that I'm talking to you. And I believed inside that it could be possible for me. And so when I dreamed, I just dreamed of what it felt like to be unconditionally loved and to be taken care of and to be desired. And, you know, I went and I took all of the things that weren't working in my life and I was grateful for the opposite as though I already had them. And those are the things that manifested for me the easiest. And I hope that you manifest every single one of your desires. If you hang out on Instagram, please come find me at 50 Shades of Shilamita, the number 50. If you are listening to this on your favorite podcast station, you can also watch it on my YouTube channel at 50 Shades of Shilamita. You can go back and binge on some of the other shows. If you are on Pinterest, I am hanging out there as well. I love to hear from you guys, so please come reach out, comment on the show, let me know your thoughts, let's dig in deep and contemplate together. That's how we grow and we expand. I love you so much. Take care. Bye.